This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your life and with your community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cameron here. Guess what? This is the last episode of Query for the year. Whew, 2017. What a year. We went through a lot together. And that is why you, the listeners of this show, are my Queeros for 2017. Thank you so much for all of your support, for coming out to live shows, for buying my new album, Back to Back, which as of this recording is still number one on iTunes. Woohoo! That means Rhea Butcher and I have had number one albums separately and together as stand-up comics, which I don't know if any married couple has literally ever done. Uh, But then also a queer married couple, and it's like, holy shit, brains are exploding. So if you haven't had a chance to pick it up yet, please, your support really means the world to us. Um, You can get back-to-back on Query, or you can stream it on Spotify, or you can buy t-shirts and buttons. Okay, enough with that little ad. I am so excited for... Today's guest, Jenny Owen Youngs. Jenny is somebody that I saw perform years ago before we knew each other and were friends. And she's an incredible singer-songwriter. She has a great podcast with her wife, Kristen Russo, called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. And many of our listeners, I know, also listen to Buffering. So guess what? This is the Christmas crossover episode slash generic holiday slash anything that you may happen to celebrate episode the last of 2017 i will see you well i won't see you i will be in your ears in two weeks after the new year enjoy the show Queeros, welcome back to the show. Oh boy, am I excited about today's guest. Um, You know why? Because I loved uh, this person as a performer before I knew her as a person, and uh, she's a great person to know. A new friend and somebody that I'm so excited took a little break from your day to come in here. So what we've been having people do, we is me, I'm talking about myself in the plural, uh, is have people introduce themselves. So would you introduce yourself however you want to, however feels right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Hello, uh, my name is Jenny Owen Youngs, and I am a Sagittarius on the cusp of Scorpio, <laughs> and I am a musician and a human organism. Yes, you are. <laughs> Thank you. I'm seeing that you're a human organism, <laughs> and I have seen that you're a musician. Um, yeah, what kind of stuff do you play? Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm sure all of our listeners already know and, you know, are <laughs> giant, giant Jenny heads. Um, um, ha, hmm. Well, you know, just like uh, songs about life, you know, uh, maybe singer, songwriter, pop, rock are all sort of, sort of very broad terms that might apply. Right. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, I like your music a lot. Thanks a lot. Yes. Um, also, you led with uh, some... Some sign stuff, some what? astrological stuff. Is that goof? Are you being a goofball or do you like that stuff? I, I'm i open to either thing. <laughs> uh, I'm into it. Like, I'm enthusiastic about it, but I'm not well-versed. Uh, I do have a very, very thorough and really inappropriately expensive app on my phone <laughs> that tells me a lot of things when I remember that I have it and when I remember to read it, you know? Um, I, I think it's, like, really fun and interesting who knows? But what's wild is the app that I have. You can um, enter your time and place and date of birth and anybody else's and have it compare your charts. And the things that it had to say about my relationship with my wife were like <laughs> so what? deliciously on the nose. What? Like, like these what? super micro things. Uh, my wife's name is Kristen. And uh, the app is like, well, uh, Kristen may 
become impatient and like rush to action without, you know, really thinking things through. And this may frustrate Jenny greatly, like really specific, wildly accurate things like that. Does it? Does it use your name? Yes, yes, because you you enter <laughs> everyone's terrible. Name. It's kind of slash amazing gift. You have yeah. to tell me what this is called. Uh, it's called time passages. Okay, and you I'll, will. I'll definitely fall down a hole. I'll definitely try that. Yeah, uh, just to figure out how my wife has been treating me badly and messing me up due <laughs> no, to the stars. No, not treating you badly. Just like uh, the way that you know your celestial whatever uh-huh. are designed to interact with each other in ways that are frustrating. And what's what's interesting about astrology i think is that it like sort of gives you uh, a fresh window into maybe like things that already exist you know and and a broader perspective on like how you can interface with with um everyday problems in a productive way you know and find other ways around them. i'm loving this Are how you? long have you guys been married no i really am how long have you guys been married <laughs> oh well it'll, it'll just be four years in a couple of weeks oh my gosh so i've been married a year and a half um, congratulations! Thank by the you. way, I don't know if we've covered that. Oh, thanks! It's so great. <laughs> it is great. I feel like um, I've been obsessed with. There's this really great podcast, and it's weird on a podcast to talk about. An, <laughs> but this is true. There's this really great podcast on Audible um, that's hosted by Esther Perel, and she's a relationship counselor and uh. I'm obsessed with listening to it for similar reasons to what you're talking about. I I find that like I'm in it. Like I'm I am in this relationship. I think marriage is way harder than I thought it was going to be. I'm really committed to Rhea and I'm really committed to being married, but I'm shocked like on a daily basis by how awful it is <laughs> it's to so have hard. somebody know you that well and to yeah. know somebody that well. And so yeah, like star signs and calendars and podcasts and like television shows like anything that can be of help to try to figure out how to make sense of this i am i am in i am like ready to find that tool and use it cuz i don't know how people have been doing this for centuries <laughs> i think maybe millennia <laughs> i think maybe like you know initially because it wasn't love because they weren't uh marriage wasn't like love based it was uh well safety or mm. continuing the human population or it was like a financial trade mm-hmm. i think maybe maybe you just stuck with it cuz it had all these other motivators but like i'm choosing this thing right Every day. Divorce is so accessible. Divorce is really accessible. But yeah. you, you, you choose to stay every day. Yes. And and I know you and your wife, I, I know you guys as a couple, and it's really, I don't know. I don't think I've, I'm just realizing you leading talking about this, like, I don't know that many married queer people. Yeah, I don't think that I know too many either. I feel like... My friends and and uh, the people that I see socially tend to skew a little bit younger, and I feel like what the the median age to get married has got to be just like going up every year. And I feel like there's sort of like a um, as our communities sort of like continue to grow and evolve. I think there's like it's becoming more. Um, a more popular idea to say no to marriage. I mean, it's amazing that marriage equality exists, but there's also like a power in saying like that convention is not for me. Like that doesn't necessarily serve, you know, like like you were talking about, there are historical contexts and precedents that like might make marriage feel uh, to somebody. Although the people that used to say that to me, I am now hearing <laughs> like adjust their conversation to the political climate. I don't know if you've heard that from friends at all. Oh, really? Like, like people who, uh, you know, under Obama were like, never. I have had a couple friends go like, we are getting married as soon as possible <laughs> <Yeah>. because <laughs> this is a terrifying moment. Um, but I also think for me, it's partially like I know many, many people who are queer. And then the other people that I know in the universe are like that I've made friends with the last, like, say, 10 years are all comedians. So comedians tend to skew 
Cynical, sad, angry. Yeah, and commitment issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tend to not be. What would you say? Like your friends who are musicians, and Mm. and you spend a fair amount of time on the road. Mm. Less with every passing year, or less on some years than than others. But um, is that in purpose? Are you trying mm, to stay now, local? Yeah. I mean, we moved to L.A. like a year and a half ago because I was coming here so much to do uh, pop writing sessions and sessions writing with other artists for their projects. So, like, a lot of, you know, being here, focusing on on that work is sort of like about not being in a van, you know, six months out of the year or whatever, just like doing loops around the country, which is so great. How long did you do that? loop around the country in a van? I guess I started touring um, in 2006. I, like, started, and then 2007 forward was, like, pretty heavy. So Um, 10 years. Oh, yeah. That was good math. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 10 years of uh, full-time musicianing. Um, But the last uh, couple years have been, like, you know, tour here and there, but but mostly focused on writing and and other stuff. How does that feel to be like, I would imagine, well, I mean, I did, I've done a lot of living on the road and stuff too. It's awful, Mm -hmm. but it's also like, there's a siren song to it. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you're at home more, you're married. Um, Do you feel like a different person in some ways or do you feel the same? How does it feel? No, I definitely feel like a different person. And like, thank God, because that other person was exhausting um (laughs) what was she like just oh drunk jenny she was just having a blast uh just having a party all the time go 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 and i mean i think like i think a lot of my perspective shift in terms of career you know when i when i first met Kristen, i had you know I didn't listen to anybody else in terms of, like, what I might consider doing with my time, right? But Kristen's very uh, persuasive, or she has, like, very strong opinions, and she really likes discussing things and and just, like, going through stuff with a fine-tooth comb and is really good at noticing when maybe I'm doing something that's not great for me, but, like, I don't have any perception of the fact that I'm doing it. Um, and draw, and bringing my attention to it, right, and and sort of ta- helping me gain greater perspective, right. Um, so when we first started uh, dating, I was still touring like all the time. And after like, I guess about three years, she was like, I think, I think you could do a little bit less of this. And be, like, less stressed out and less exhausted. And, like, I think there might be, you know, just more. Like, I don't think you have to do everything and say yes to everything and, like, whatever. I I think I have a tendency – there's a very magical place where, like, my, like, German Protestant upbringing and whatever (laughs) happens to your brain when you start, like – making art in a public space in like a commercial way uh like whatever happens to you there where you're like i was just making this beautiful stuff just for me because i love it but now like something else is happening and i have to like do better and and work harder and i can like never stop because there's some you know mythical carrot that doesn't really exist but but everybody thinks is there and it's really interesting i know people who you know um have uh what is the there's no like there's probably a polite way to say this but let's let's just say like maybe from an objective place like I've known people who have who are like uh earlier in their careers than me and I know people who are you know legit like bonkers famous and like every one of those people at least at some point of their career and some of them up to now are like everyone's looking up the ladder you know and like there it just feels like a lot of a lot of people in music it feels like or maybe i'm just maybe i should just speak for myself i had a really hard time being like in the moment and like really appreciating what i was in because i was so worried that like whatever i was doing was like going to go away and not be an option anymore 
You know what I mean? And I feel like so much of that thinking fuels so many people to, to I don't know, it's just like, I think it just hurts people's art and I think it hurts people's souls. Uh, that I feel like we started in a very different place. No, this is, I really relate to what you're talking about. I, I absolutely do. Well, I mean, we have weird, we have art jobs. It's, it's still a job and um, you can apply whatever like work ethic or perspective to it, like flawed or not flawed, that you could to any other job. Right. Um, but with the perhaps added pressure of like yourself as the product being involved right. and how that makes everything so much more yeah. complicated. Because it's like, you know, there are people who are really bonkers for Wall Street, but they're not selling, like, shares of themselves. So, right. um, <laughs> you know, it does it does get additionally complicated or draining or, or whatever it is. There's just a need to soul search and, like, figure out what you're doing and try to reevaluate so that you don't get sucked up into the void of whatever. Yeah, the void. Yeah, the void of aspiration and, <laughs> like, whatever that is. That void, man. That thing's always there. The void of aspiration. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. When did you start making music? Mm, well, I, like, started playing guitar in, like, junior high, and I was already writing a lot of poetry. What kind of a kid were you in junior high writing oh, poetry, playing you guitar? No, just like a, <laughs> uh, just like a mess of a kid. You know, I, I was like, I think, uh, pretty angry and lost, and I like want. <laughs> it's so weird. I had like fixations on on um, real life stories of people who um, who had like real like terrible trauma in their lives and like I think you know I had this real Sylvia Plath kind of like oh darkness yes you know no one understands me uh I loved reading terrible terrible stories about people and um you know I I lived in a very rural part like the y'all part of Jersey which is all woods and farms and uh, I definitely, like, didn't have the the strongest community of, of friends. I mean, I definitely had friends and, like, I had, like, I would say, like, a middle high school experience, you know? Uh, it had, like, ups and downs. Uh, there were, like, lots of, uh, there were lots of, like, football guys who would, like, walk by a classroom that I was in and like I don't want to trigger anyone but they would cough like my name and a slur together um when they like walked by the class like it was the, and, and wait, not wait wait <laughs> wait what they would like they would like well you can edit this out I guess if no you're like but this is a terrible word uh I mean you could even just say what it starts with if you don't want to oh, say the, the word with a d which is so yeah. chill, you know, and and they they would it's like such a ridiculous cough when you think about it that they would be like Jen Youngs is a mm. also I was Jen in high school I don't mean to scandalize you in any Shocking. way but there were two less letters involved where and, were they getting that um well what's wild is like not from me to the best of I mean I like presented very gay but like I had no, I mean not like hmm I guess everything is a Gradient, right? I had, I had. I mean, I don't know. Shoulder length hair, right? Um, but at a certain, after a certain point, I had like an undercut for the rest of high school, and like a lot of like, like my nose was pierced, and I wore like guy jeans and stuff. And also, I just want to like back up, and I didn't mean to like paint my like entire high school experience. Uh, no, as you didn't. Like a, okay, you d- you didn't. I just. Um... You know that didn't happen to me, and it and at that right because you were like so cool and popular. <laughs> you were doing great. No, I, I will. I wasn't on doing, the outside. Yeah, on the outside, I was doing great on the outside. I was really, really, um, you know. I mean, I was like really confused, 
but I I feel like <laughs> I feel like you and I probably like looked alike in high school. <laughs> like it's it's like totally believable to me that we probably looked alike. And I just didn't get that. And I and I don't know if it was cuz I like had a, a boyfriend that I was public so publicly with. Very um, helpful. Really accessory. helpful. Thanks. I mean, he wasn't an accessory in that like I thought I was into it. Of course. You know, but god. Um Because was his hair like really shiny? No, he did have cool muscles. Nice. I am like still kind of a muscle fiend. <laughs> <laughs> so he did have cool muscles and I was like cool muscles, dude. Um uh but he was also just like we liked the same stuff. I don't know. We liked the same stuff. Uh-huh. You know, how when you you know when you're like who should I date? Am I attracted to them in a sexual way? Eh. <laughs> but we like the same stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so they're easy to be around, plus muscles. He was easy to be around, plus muscles. Who doesn't love? He did a give hunk. me the. He his brother worked at uh, movie theater, and when Tomb Raider came out, I was really into Angelina Jolie. This Who is weird. Wasn't you know a weird wait, wait, a weird wait, fascination. But your, your boyfriend's brother was like. Cameron loves Angelina. <laughs> so much so that, you know how, like, movie theaters have those big, giant posters, right? Yes. So his brother got one of those and then gave it to my boyfriend, and then my boyfriend gave it to me, and then I took it to college with me. <laughs> and I was, and I lived with seven other women sophomore year as roommates, and I was like, and they all went out one day, and I did what I thought was the funniest thing that anybody could do, where I took the poster and it filled the entirety of our front door and I cut the I cut <laughs> the pupil out of her eye and I put her eye over the eye hole like the, <laughs> so that if you were looking out of our room you were looking through Angelina yeah, Jolie yeah. which is hilarious amazing but they made me take it down immediately because they thought it looked like we were lesbians <laughs> <laughs> and I was like well <laughs> But yeah. Query is supported by Sony Pictures Classics presenting Call Me By Your Name, a new film about the son of an American professor who shares a summer of music, food, and romance with a graduate student in their northern Italian home. Directed by Luca Guadino, starring Army Hammer, Timothy Chalamet, and Michael Stolberg, Call Me By Your Name has three Golden Globe nominations, including Best Picture. It was given four stars by Rolling Stone. Straight up, I have heard that this is a very good movie, um, and I know that it deals with queer themes. I have not seen it yet, but I look forward to seeing it. Hey, call me by your name. Maybe you should just send me a screener, and I will watch it and then tell the queer audience more about it. But uh, please go see Call Me By Your Name in select cities or coming soon to a theater near you on January 19th. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that enables you to improve your mental health from anywhere at any time. Get matched with a licensed therapist from over 2,000 choices and message them whenever you need to. No commutes, no judgments. For a special offer to our listeners, visit Talkspace.com query and use the code query to get $30 off your first month. Talkspace, it's therapy for how we live today. Anyway, I had that kind of boyfriend, the kind of boyfriend whose brother brings you a picture of Angelina right. and Julie that's so large that your roommates assume you're a lesbian and they're right. Um, Amazing. But I didn't, I didn't get called names in high school. Mm. Uh, well, it builds what that, character. What does that do to you? Builds character. Like, what do you, was it, so that, so it's happening in, in like class, there was other kids in the class. Oh, yeah. But that's okay. <laughs> I mean, were you, was it, does it like, does everybody know this is? something that has happened that happened or is it like i mean it's like pretty loud <sighs> you know but like uh how do i <laughs> how do i explain uh i don't know if i need to explain like them or myself like i feel <laughs> now in the context of this conversation i'm like why don't i like feel worse about this or something i don't know maybe it's just like it's so uh faded like it's just like a life ago you know, and and also you're not still upset about high school. That sounds really healthy. <laughs> that sounds good and healthy. Uh, I think that sounds really positive. I'm just imagining like being a kid and having to take that on, and then 
Like, did you know it was true? Is there a part of you that knew it was true? Well, I had had, like, a secret girlfriend when I was, like, 14 for, like, a little while. Um, How did you meet that person? School. You know, we were classmates. Um, Who knows if she, in fact, uh, was, like, dealing the the hot news, giving all of the football guys tips about what they could cough about me. But I don't think so. She was, like, a nice person. Who knows? Regardless, uh, we met in school. And you know what is... <laughs> I just remembered how I uh, tricked her into starting to hang out with me was that um, she was, like, uh, like a, she was in the, like, skatey, punky, sort of, like, grunge kids crowd. Okay. And they, like, smoked pot and... Wild. Did acid, you know, like... Oh, that is actually wild. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> That's legitimately wild. And I was like, I know what I should do. I am an active member of my Protestant church. I should get this girl to co- start coming to youth group nights with me. That will, she will love it. I don't know why, I don't know how uh, <laughs> she said yes or like why it started happening, but... um but we, but she started coming to youth group things with me, and um, mm, there was like a, there was like a dare behind a dumpster adjacent to an ice hockey rink. <laughs> like it was a whole thing, uh, so magical, the dumpster. Um, and yeah, so like then we just like started hanging out a whole bunch. I don't remember exactly how long it went on for, but she had a boyfriend the whole time, which was a bit of a buzzkill in retrospect, but in the middle of nowhere uh, and with compromised self-esteem. You take what you can get, I guess, and you like rationalize things. And also like, you know, I guess polyamory wasn't really on anybody's minds in um, like 1995 or whatever. (laughs) Maybe not in 14 in New Jersey. Old's mine in the n- middle of New Jersey in 1990, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, but that like went on for a little while and then, um, and then it stopped and she like kept having a boyfriend, you know, the way that girls sometimes do. Uh, and then I like, you know, there wasn't really anybody to date for a while. Uh, and then I like started dating somebody when I was like a senior. And that's probably around the time that I like started to be out to some of my friends as, like, I'm dating a woman. Yeah, woman. Okay, sure. Yes. Great. Um, was that the answer to your question? I don't even remember what the question was because that was so fascinating and in-depth. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, I... So wh- how, what was happening with music during this time? Still playing, like, f- like for yourself at home? Were you... Did you... Did you do shows? I like, I like, um, in like junior and senior year of high school, I started playing around in, um, you know, local bars would have open mic nights. That was the best. I feel like this is the bravest thing I've ever heard in my entire (laughs) life. Like a junior, senior in high school? Yeah. You went and played at open mic nights? Yeah, totally. At local bars? Yeah, I had to get like special permission to be there because I wasn't 21. Oh my God. It's a whole thing. Oh my God. (laughs) This is the cutest. This is the cutest. Um, Yeah. So I like, I just did that and like there were like some coffee shops in the county where I lived and I like played some shows at at those and then I went to college for for music in... um, uh, in Westchester County, which is like right, just north of the Bronx, um, and I started, you know, like playing shows on campus, and and then um, in my senior year, I started like making my first record there at school in like the school's forty-eight track studio with uh, a, a friend that I had made um, who was in the like production program, um, and that process lasted like a year because we were just kind of like on borrowed time and like late nights and weekends and whatever I was like working full time after I graduated so we were sort of like just catching as catch can um and then we finished that record and I put it out and started playing a bunch of shows in New York and 
then um, a label called Network licensed it and they re-released it. And then I started making music, I guess, sort of like in the what I would consider the larger professional sphere of sorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now here we are. And now here we yeah. are. Well, I also know that you... I just know, I know, unfortunately and slash fortunately, I know that you came out publicly. Oh, yeah. Just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I just know that because from being human beings that are aware of things. Like, sure. Yes. And. Um, Thank you for noticing. Yeah. Yes. Well, I first, I first heard your music like through an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Which, I'm very popular with ex-girlfriends from what I understand. Yes. Yes. I first heard your music through an ex-girlfriend. Um and then like was like we just I just have to be friends with this person and invited you and Kristen to yes. a stand-up yes. show yes. in New York. Whenever that was a couple years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Um and it worked. That it was our work. youth group. <laughs> that as I was just like I want to be fr- friends with these wives. It um and it worked. worked. Uh thank God. Yeah, it thank did you. work. But I had already seen you. I had seen you one time in Chicago at Shubas. And, like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like there was definitely a vibe in the room. Sure. Yes. Yes. So did you feel that at shows? Or when um, did you start feeling that at shows? Hmm. Did it change when you came out? It definitely has just like gotten like better and better since I've come out. I mean, in terms of like, how can I put this? When you're hiding something, right? Or when you don't want to talk about something, but it's something that sort of like in some way or another has some kind of presence. Like there's something that like we can't, you know, put necessarily a finger on, but a vibe is probably a good way to put it. Um, when you read to somebody in a partic- particular way, um, but you're not addressing the way in which you read to them, um, if it is, in fact, your reality or your identity, um, I think for me it just like felt increasingly bad and it also made the space for some really uncomfortable exchanges with people because when you're part of a group of people who doesn't see themselves represented and then you see a glimpse of something that you believe is something that you would identify with but you're not getting the confirmation that you want to get, um, I think sometimes people can feel mm, like they would like answers to their questions, whether or not the person that they're asking is comfortable with being asked those questions. Am I being clear? Yeah. You are... <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to outline a very hypothetical situation that is just a real No, I, I think what thing. you're saying actually goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, where, um, I mean, I'm just going to... Let me just posit something and you can tell me whether or not this makes sense. Posit away. I feel like, so for me, when I started doing comedy, I was doing improv. Um, and in improv, you aren't speaking as yourself, you're speaking as a character. And so um, that was great in college. It was a great experience in college. And then once I left college and I was like in the professional improv world, it was very weird because I. I either would out myself to people or I would be put in situations where I was like, I, like, I actually don't want to be a character that, like, gives three different straight cis dudes a blowjob in every scene. Like, I just, like, don't want to be that character. <laughs> this doesn't feel great to me. Uh-huh. I can see why. Um Yeah. And, and, uh, or people would be like, I would be like, I'm a penguin. And then they'd be like, I think you mean a gay penguin. It was very (laughs) weird. It was very weird because I felt like, you know, 
other people that I was performing with were like, I mean, I just didn't do it long enough to go like up the ladder mm. far enough where I was really comfortable with the people that I worked with. And mm-hmm. I could just be like, hey, knock that shit off. So I was really young. I was like 22. So I started doing stand up instead because I could speak in my own voice. But I never had to make the choice once I was doing stand up. Am I going to talk about myself for real or not for real? Because mm-hmm. there's only one choice to make. Right. But um, that's like, you didn't really, you had to make a choice. Like you could be that person doing improv where other people are deciding what you are and putting things on you for you to decide. Because your songs are not necessarily written in the first person. Like they are right. or they aren't. You're singing. It's you or it's not you. You're supposed to explain your lyrics or you're not supposed to explain your lyrics. Right. So you can kind of choose what you want to do. And your job isn't necessarily predicated on openness of your personal life. So right. I could see like you getting into it, feeling this sort of world where you're like, maybe I don't have to talk about myself. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like really didn't want to. But I mean, I think uh, for better or for worse... You know, a big part of why I didn't want to was because I didn't want to talk about being gay. You know what I mean? Like, not that I... I think I was... uh, That was a bigger deterrent than just, like, the idea of talking about myself in general. I think if I had been straight, I would have probably had an easier time being open. So, do you... Do you know where that comes from? Well, I mean, besides, like, just obviously the global crushing <laughs> uh, pain of homophobia. But yeah. you have, like, a... <laughs> I've heard of that. Yeah. Do you have a thing in you that you know? Yeah. I mean, I think I have, like, a lot of... Well, maybe present tense isn't, like, the most... Mm. I mean, we're all growing and changing all the time. And, and I'll spend the rest of my life uh, working to undo a lot of things that are that have been sort of like sewn and and uh branded into me over time the way that like we all sort of form right in our first 10 15 20 years of life uh in taking like other people's values and coming to understand the world through whatever you know whatever methods are are uh brought to you, whether it's like religion or something else. Uh, For me, you know, it was very, very much like um, very much religion. You know, that was like from a young age um, and, you know, okay. We, you know, pretty much always went to church. and, And when I was maybe like 11 or 12, we started like going to a non-denominational Protestant church that was the kind of church, I think this will like paint a picture, the kind of church where people like raise their hands and close their eyes when they're singing, you know? Um, That kind. I understand that. You know, where they're getting into it. And um, and I don't know, like, it's really interesting because uh, Kristen, my wife, was raised in a really intensely Catholic environment, right? Um, but Kristen was the kind of kid who could, like, read something out of whatever version of the Bible she has and say, like, that that doesn't sound right. That sounds messed up. I don't agree with this, and, and here's why. And, like, my experience was very much like, uh, God says this, and therefore I will do that because I'm very afraid of hell. You know, and and I don't necessarily know, like, how much of that is, like, the church environment and how much of it is just, like, my nature in terms of, like, uh, being a little kid and, and feeling like a picture has been painted of a very real, vengeful God for me. And, and what do I do but believe it? And being kind of like a serious kid who, like, really liked to uh, please adults and God was, like, an adult, uh, you know, I just, like, wanted to do the right thing and, like, not be a disgusting abomination. Yeah, I really you don't know. want you to be a disgusting abomination either. <laughs> good thing you aren't. Yeah, good thing. 
Um, I wonder how much of it is also cultural. I mean, so much beyond like, because uh, I think another thing that happens a lot when we talk about like families that uh, come together and have queerness in them and have different backgrounds, like we can really forget that. I mean, Rhea and I, Rhea and I on paper, we're both white people. We're both from the Midwest. We both went to college. Like, there should be a lot of similarities, I guess, in our reactions. But, like, her family has, like, Scottish roots. My family is Italian. Her family, like, doesn't hug at all. My family doesn't stop hugging. Like, cause it's, <laughs> I really think yeah. that there can be a lot of cultural differences around this that we just don't think about. Mm-hmm. Like, she was, you know, Rhea was raised in a Catholic school, but she wasn't Catholic. She went to a Catholic school, but wasn't Catholic. So for her, she was like observing it all at a distance. I was like in it, soaking it up, you mm-hmm, know, but mm-hmm. then I'm like a fiery screaming head because I'm from <laughs> Italian people. Everybody screams all the time, you know, like, yeah. so it's, yes. I just think there's a lot of different factors that can come together sure. to make people have different responses to things. And that's also why you find them to be your partner because if I was with another person that was like standing up and screaming all the time it'd be exhausting none of us would have voices (laughs) we'd be kicked out of every apartment we rented because it's too fucking loud Um, so you have to find somebody that can like mellow you out or or whatever you need whatever the person needs it you know it's great it's great to be partnered and find balance there Uh, because god I mean as people we're just like we only become more of ourselves, right? We don't become like like we don't become like a subdued version over time. No, no, it just gets more and more intense. But I want to talk more about um you know Okay, so that res- that decision and then in your personal life, you were like out to everybody. Well, it was interesting. Um I was of course out to my friends. And out to, out overtly to my mom and my stepdad. Um, but I didn't have a conversation with my dad about the fact that I was uh, dating women until I had been dating Kristen for like a year. And I was like, oh, my dad's coming up from Florida. So like, I'll just like see you in a couple days because I'm going to go see. And she was like, um, you're calling your father right now and telling him that we're all having lunch. And, and I did. And he was like dope wow that's awesome um i mean he is a smart man (laughs) like it's not like it's not like uh he didn't have access to like clues you know to put it together and and certainly he knew what was up but but like you were saying like people in my family don't really talk about too much don't talk about too much um and i think when when conversation isn't like free flowing and everyone isn't just like examining their feelings and like sharing their thoughts on stuff, it just sometimes seems like easier to just like not talk about stuff that's actually kind of like pretty important, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm very thankful to Kristen for being so reasonable uh, and tolerating so much of my nonsense. <laughs> And yeah, she just keeps pulling me up and forward, which is very lucky. Loud Italian people are the best. Make the world go round. (laughs) (laughs) I just sure do love loud Italian people. (laughs) This episode of Query is sponsored by Casper a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Actually, you know what? I, Cameron Esposito, sleep on a Casper mattress. So there you go. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans. Our dog also sleeps on it. Engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Hey, you spend a third of your life sleeping, so why not be comfortable? In fact, you, query listeners, you can order a Casper mattress and sleep on it for 100 nights risk-free because they have a 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. There are three mattress models, 
the original Crasper, the Wave, and the Essential. It's not just a mattress company, though. They offer a wide array of products to ensure an overall better sleep experience. Casper's low prices are possible because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to you. You will get a tiny, how did they do that, size box delivered to your door. And if you open the box, there's a mattress in there. I know this is true because I did it. Head to casper.com slash query and get $50 toward any mattress purchase using the code query at checkout. Terms and conditions may apply. That's right. Casper.com slash query for $50 off at checkout. Use the code query. Today, query is sponsored by Zola. Zola is the one-stop engagement spot because you can register for anything you want there. They've got over 50,000 gifts, experiences, and cash funds. You could get a fund to go on your honeymoon like I did at my wedding or register for brands like KitchenAid and Le Creuset. Even Sonos and Blue Apron. Here's the thing. When I was getting married, I had a very small, functional wedding website that Rhea helped me build that just had information on where you could donate for our honeymoon fund and information on how to get to our registry. Well, that's because Zola didn't exist. If Zola had existed, I would have just had one dang place to go for all of that. Not only that, but your friends could contribute towards like one mega goal. Like when I said Le Creuset, those are... worth keeping for your entire life and they're also kind of expensive so if you have a bunch of your friends pool their money you could get that without seeming like a maniac for registering for very expensive objects <laughs> anyway i recommend zola so just head to zola.com slash query you'll get 50 dollars towards anything you want in their store that's right if you go to zola.com slash query Is there any part of you that when you were like planning um, to come out, did you worry at all about your business? I only ask that because, you know, when I started doing stand up and I was out, I would like insist. I would say like I'm a, I'm a queer comic, but I play mainstream rooms. I would say that all the time, like whatever the fuck that means, you know, because there was a moment when you were a queer comic and, like, we didn't even use the word queer, like, prior to us, if you were a lesbian or gay comic in, like, the 80s, you couldn't, you had to, you couldn't play mainstream rooms. Um, you were, like, Ellen or whatever, so you were, like, closeted. Um, or you were out, but you were playing, like, gay bars. Or you were playing, um, you know, resort towns that were just for the LGBT community. And when I started doing stand-up, um, I didn't really see queer people as a viable as viable purchasers. And and that is my own probably internalized homophobia. Where yeah. I was like, in order to make a living at this, I really have to be um appeal I have to appeal to everybody. And this is also true that like I was working to try and secure my rights like I was like I want to perform in front of straight people so that they know who they're voting against when they say I can't get married in their town uh-huh um but I have a totally different view on this now which is that everybody is invited but I am like trying to make content for our community yeah. and that's very different than what I would have said 10 years ago so that was a long diatribe, but what I'm asking is, <laughs> did you have any of that, like, economic anxiety or, or work, vi- like, viable career anxiety? Yeah, I did. I mean, I was uh, definitely stressed out about it. Um, I, after I, you know, started thinking about the possibility of doing it, I, I was on... Um, a bus tour that's like sort of this collaboration tour where there's like a bunch of different songwriters and everybody kind of like plays together all night. It's this thing called Revival Tour. And um, Chuck Reagan, um, who's a guy who uh, is in a band still called Hot Water Music, it's the 20 year plus 
uh, amazing hardcore band. They're so great. Chuck organizes this this um, this tour every year, and I was like on a bus with all of these sort of like lifer punk dudes who like have a million tattoos and but also like two kids now and you know what I mean like all of these like road worn guys who've like seen everything and like but who have like enormous hearts like these are the people who I happen to be traveling with for like a few weeks when this was like really weighing heavily on my mind and I like remember the bus being in some parking lot in like Texas and like sitting on the ground with a bunch of these guys and like talking to them about it and like sharing my anxieties about like the way that I would be perceived, you know, and not just like, not just like, um, as a queer person, but as a queer person who didn't say anything until now, you know, there's like, there was like an added weight in my mind and a guilt, you know, uh, for not being, I guess, braver for lack of a better word. And these guys like listened to me and they were all just like so sweet. And they were like, you got to do it. And it's going to be awesome. You know, that like they really were. That was like my group of like peers that I like kind of market tested it on. And they were like, oh, you got to do it. Kristen's awesome. Like everything's going to be great. And then, you know, Kristen and I, of course, like discussed it at length and like I I wrote something and and she you know helped me shape that and like um you know we reached out to Autostraddle who she had been partnering with um via Everyone is Gay like a a bunch up to that point and we um we did sort of like a pre-interview with them and and they were very supportive through that and like and it was like I mean it's my life has gotten so much better I'm so happy to hear that. I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, you deserve it. First of all, you deserve a good life. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. Uh, it's just so much more comfortable and 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 easy. And like there's, you know, I'm so excited about the conversations that I get to have with people now that like weren't possible before because of me, because of like my internalized homophobia and like my anxieties about what my identity could mean uh for my career um yeah it's just uh it's just like a whole it's like my second like life kind of yeah oh man i mean i hope that you're so was that your worst fear that people would say why didn't you why didn't you do this sooner um, I don't know if it was, I think my worst fear from queer people <laughs> was what, what took you so long? And my worst fear from straight people was like, oh, we're burning your records and you suck. You know, I think there's some twisted uh, male gaze thing too, like in my brain somewhere. I'm like, I'm a woman making music i'm supposed to make men feel some particular thing you know what i mean like which is so far away from no offense dudes anything that i'm interested in right (laughs) or like that i ever sought out to do for (laughs) any practical reason but like it it feels like uh there's just like some uh haze of that still sort of like floating around or there was now i'm like what's a man you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not I I um I hope this is a like comfortable question, but did any of that happen that you were worried about people saying I'm going to burn your records <laughs> or queer people saying um, why didn't this why didn't you do this sooner? Did you hear any of that? There's um like the the meaningful answer is like of of course not. I mean there's um. A particular uh, atmosphere on the internet um, w- regarding sort of like call-in culture versus call-out culture, and I mean, in my first wait, sort- what does that mean? I literally don't know. Oh, what that it's means. like when somebody says something that you think is that, that you experience as, as problematic, or that it you know is problematic. Um, you have you know two roads diverge in a yellow wood. You can 
call them out and say like, can you believe that this person said like this terrible, ignorant thing? They suck. I'm never like going to listen to another song that they make or read another article that they write. Bah, right. Or you can call in and say like, oh, actually, you may not have realized this, but here's why what you said like could be really hurtful to some people. And then like, you know, it's like a teachable moment and like everyone can can grow and oh i like the second expand. one the second one is pretty good the right? second one is the one i always choose yes it's the one i ask for from our listeners yes. <laughs> polite and engaged feedback right is yes the, yeah yeah dude well you know what i put that on the uh, the header of the episode because like here's the thing if we're do- if i'm doing this podcast and i'm asking people to be super like vulnerable and honest um the last thing that i want to do is put public figures or not public figures, you know, because I have folks who, like, they don't live, uh, they don't have a public figure job on Mm -hmm. the show. And I just, I know that you can become a lightning rod. You say one thing and it's recorded and somebody's listening to it in a different city at a different time and they're, you know, whatever's going on for them and they hear it in a way that doesn't feel right to them. And yeah, I mean, I felt, I feel particularly responsible for taking care of the people that I'm asking to come in here and tell me <laughs> tell me about your life and your identity. I'm so glad you're doing that. And you just made me think of this thing that happened earlier today. You know how sometimes people are just um, in cars and so are you and it's never good, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's so easy, so easy to forget that like anybody else in a car has like anything else going on. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. Right. And it's so easy to get mad at them because they're just being such an idiot. Oh, why? They're why are they away? Why are they, why they being away? the worst? Just the worst. Get Move. Park, please. You know, uh, but today I was driving my cat to the vet and I was very concerned about my cat. Oh, no. She's been having a little bit of a heart. She's fine. She's so but cute. she's just been having some troubles. And she was like crying in the car all the way there. So I like, you know, didn't step on the gas right away when like the green arrow came on and the person behind me was so mad. <laughs> and sometimes I'm that person, you know, and I think like thinking about what it's like to be driving your precious, precious cat to the vet <laughs> and how sometimes that's just like what your life is and it affects how you function in the world. And if you can remember that. And think about like how the person in the car in front of you might be taking their cat to the vet. I don't know, just like one five seconds oh, to man. take a breath and and be compassionate. I don't know what is life. No, that's really good because I like literally yelled at somebody today. I, you know, I shook my fist. <laughs> it's like, so easy. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I really got them. You know, when I shook oh, my yeah, fist, yeah, they were like, <laughs> don't take that. They to were their like, grave. I'm different now. So I'm glad I did it. I want to hear what the end of the, what you were saying about uh, call-ins and call-outs. What happened oh, after? There were, there I was were asking, just like, right, right, right. Some people just like like read what I had said and like and responded to it in a in a, what I felt like. I mean, this was like a t- teeny tiny. This was like a couple people uh, responded like in a very call-out way, and that was tough because it, it was a decision that I had come to so cautiously you know and i'm just a delicate fragile person like anybody else and you know sometimes the comment section is about like winning and being righteous when it could be about something else you know so there were like a couple things that like that that sort of like stung um but it also was like a great crash course in, you know, a, a dialogue that I haven't been a part of for, you know, most of my adult life. You know, not that like that's the necessarily like the tone of conversation that I want to be involved in. But it did make me aware that like, you know, there have been a lot of people uh, actively part of this dialogue for a lot of time before I got here, you know. Which I think is good to remember and think about. Oh man, that is so good to remember and think about. <laughs> yeah, truly. I, I, I still don't know what to do with that stuff because I, I even think sometimes people have a really good point. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, you're totally right. I, I should have said this differently, or you know. Um, 
But if it's delivered in a hurtful way, I, I, I still I do find it hard to like function through it. And also, I don't look for it. Um, like I don't you know go out of my way to look for it. It's wild because I think sometimes people don't realize that um, if you don't look for it, it you still it still comes to you. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't scroll through things and go mm-hmm. like what is every person here think what is everybody of think? me gotta find out i don't uh because i i don't think that's a because also like art exists to be commented on it just is the thing that we were talking about at the beginning the thing i kind of keep coming back to which is like our art is us you know your name is on your name and your face is on all your songs and you're singing your songs yeah yeah um unless somebody else is singing your songs that you wrote with them <laughs> um or for them but uh yeah so like it's it it is art and it does exist and it is in the public sphere and then there's also a human and I know that's not me because I have a, I'm a different person than that like that's just a projection and so it can't be me but at the mm-hmm, same time mm-hmm. like oh well that is still my face but also my feelings <laughs> that is still my face yeah um well Jenny may I just say I'm really fucking stoked that you came out because I feel like publicly uh. I mean, nobody should have to carry that with them. It's too much, a mm. secret like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's too big. It's too heavy of a thing. And I know a lot of times it's, like, not safe. Somebody's in a part, place in their life where, like, it's not safe for whatever reasons. Whatever reasons. But when you got to a place where it was safe for you and you felt like you had the support that you need, did, that you decided to do that, I'm fucking jazzed for you. I am so jazzed. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I would we even be friends? I mean, like probably not. Like why bother? <laughs> <laughs> would we be friends? Impossible to say. Impossible to say. I still did like your music, <laughs> but I was like, she wears ties. I, I get did. it. Yeah, wear so many ties. I wore so many ties too. <laughs> They're just there. You know, <laughs> ties calling out to you. Yeah. I mean, I wore like a whole school. Well, we've been over this. So I wore a whole school uniform, which like you did for many years, not having to do with being on a stage. No, I did in my actual school yes. for for human life. Amazing. Uh, but I wish I still had mine. I would I would give it to you. you could I would wear it. cherish it. You could wear it uh, now. I'll see if it's at my parents' house. Please. And then if it is, you have to wear it. I'm probably the same size as high school you, right? Well, now how big was I in high school? (laughs) I don't know. I think I've always been the same size. When I was born, I was this big. It was tough on my mom. That sounds tough, yeah. Yeah. Sounds difficult. Well, before we go to... First of all, this has been great. Thank you for... Talking with me. Thank you so my much friend, for having me. Jenny. I, my friend, Cameron. <laughs> what an honor. Um, but before we go, I just wanted to ask you to shout out a queero. So that's like just somebody or something or place um, mm-hmm. that helped you to be who you are now. Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, and the, the queero shout out that I would like to administer into the ether... Um, is to the the band uh, the Butchies, who um, were a North Carolina uh, power trio uh, uh, and super queer, and I like um, I think that like my earliest experience in like a large group of like majority queer people was at a Butchie show at like North Six in Williamsburg, which is now music hall of williamsburg before they made it like real nice and shiny um yeah that was like uh definitely sticks in my mind as like a like bug-eyed sort of like whoa this is happening this is a place and full of people that are these people wow so um thanks to the butchies for being a band and playing great shows uh thanks the butchies and you know what if we want to, we can be that sometimes if we want. I'm literally playing the music hall of Williamsburg with Rhea. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm playing that glitzed up uh, spot. And I don't know who's going to be there because a lot of different types of people come to our shows. But sure. I hope I'll fly you and Kristen out and that would be ideal. your cat, Sam. Yes! <laughs>
And that will be how the show goes. Uh, Jenny Owen Youngs, thank you so much for being on Query. And listeners, enjoy the rest of your day. listeners that's our show please remember to rate and review us on itunes you can follow me on twitter at cameron esposito we are recorded by matt brousseau produced by sierra Catow and feral audio our theme song is by aw and you can find them at listen to aw.com thanks for listening to query Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.